So what I'm going to do is I'm going to allocate so much capital and buy so many properties that I'm the one who controls the speed of the recovery. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, I've got Nikolai Ray. Nikolai, how are you doing today? Hey, Todd, how's it going? Uh, it's uh, going well. Awesome. So Nikolai and I uh, met a few years ago at a real estate conference and uh, I guess, you know, stayed in touch mostly through social media uh, since then, but uh, definitely wanted to, uh, and excited to have you on the show. So Nikolai, why don't you give our listeners a bit about your background, what you got going on today? Sure, Todd. Uh, well, number one, I really like barbecue, as, as you know. We, uh, <laughs> we, we had a chance to share some good barbecue in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tennessee, well, always got good barbecue. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good barbecue and good bourbon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm uh, the CEO of Emrex. Emrex is a real estate technology company. Essentially, we're, what we're doing is we're, we're building a, uh, a terminal uh, that is similar to the Bloomberg terminal, but for real estate investors. So centralizing the real estate marketplace, uh, bringing data, information, insights, and perspective to help multifamily real estate investors, especially at the small cap retail level to mid-market kind of syndicator level uh, to help them play you know, with the same kind of tools that the big boys have. So uh, that's what we're doing right now technology-wise. We also have a college called the Emrex College, uh, which is essentially filling the gap in between uh, all the universities and the mentorship and coaching programs in real estate. So what we're doing is we're applying very university level uh, education, but in a very specific manner to say multifamily with a lot of practical and, and applied uh, knowledge that maybe investors are not getting in the coaching programs and the mentorship programs. So our goal there is to kind of support all the different mentorship and coaching programs that exist in the U S and, and also in Canada uh, and, and, and support those programs and support the investors with maybe some more uh, advanced and deeper theoretical knowledge and applied knowledge and data and stuff like that. So I teach financial engineering, real estate financial engineering at the Emrex College. And uh, we have a flag, flagship program called the Certificate in Real Estate Financial Engineering. So been doing that for five years now. We've had a couple thousand uh, investors come through our doors. And uh, on top of that, well, I'm also... Uh, uh, I'm also a real estate investor with two buddies. We have our own uh, real estate holding company. We are vertically integrated. So we're a general contractor for ourselves. And we are also property managers for ourselves. So we have about 15 employees. We've acquired about 30, 35 prop, um, apartment buildings in the last 15 months, uh, doing very extremely heavy value add. So, you know, 90 to $150,000 in renovations per door and opportunistic stuff. So rezoning. Uh, you know, uh, uh, land-based costs, arbitrage, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that's it. I was uh, in investment banking and real estate prior to that. I went to the Olympics three times as a, as a human performance coach and was a professional ice hockey player. And uh, <laughs> that, that's my background in a couple minutes. <laughs> nice, nice. And the hockey uh, near and dear to my heart, of course, from, from Minnesota. You're from yeah, Canada. Exactly. So. Min yeah. Minnesotans and Canadians are essentially the same people. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. I want to start with uh, the, the, the uh, you know, the, the technology 
take me through a little bit more. Like what, what does this really mean? You, you said that centralized data, you know, tools for smaller investors to kind of right. clump most everything together. T- take me through it. Like, for, I guess, first of all, why did you decide it was important to, to start a tech business for that's real a, estate? That's a great question. Uh, I didn't know at the time how hard a tech business was to run. So <laughs> a, b- a bit of naivete. <laughs> but uh, the reason I thought it was important was uh, my, my prior company I, I built and sold. It was an investment banking firm in real estate. So essentially what we were doing is we were offering boutique services on, on the brokerage, on both sides, buy and sell, financing, tax planning, uh, uh, financial modeling for uh for, for I'd say mid net worth to high net worth individuals. And uh, as I built that up, you know, we, within three and a half years, we were doing a couple hundred million dollars in transactions a year. And I kept on hitting the same kind of problems where for the small investor, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking relative terms, you know, like small investor, meaning people like me and you and, you know, uh, smaller syndicators, people under kind of the thousand to 10,000 unit range. You know, I, I consider things being like mid-size after about 10,000 units. So anything from five to like 5,000 units for me is small uh, in my world. And uh, I, I just realized like, number one, th- well, there were a couple problems for me. Number one is accessing the market is complicated because if you look at all the apartment buildings sold in a year, probably about a third are sold on public platforms like MLS or, you know, Uh, Realtor and Zillow and all this stuff. Then you have maybe another third that are sold through pocket listings or whisper listings that, you know, a broker has a listing and he sends it to his list, right? And sends it to his contacts. And then you have another third of properties that are transacted that are essentially off market properties, meaning that maybe I sent a letter, a letter to a hundred owners in Orlando and one of them answered my letter and I managed to buy his property off market that way. So, uh, I kept on realizing like how complicated getting access to the market is like, there's no supermarket. There's no grocery store for apartment buildings. Like why can't I just go to the grocery store? I have a couple hundred thousand dollars. I want to invest and get a feel of all the inventory that exists out there and make it, make a, an intelligent decision. So I see the market as being very inefficient transactional wise. So for me, I was like, is there some way where we can kind of create a centralized marketplace for the whole multifamily market and eventually obviously more commercial. And there are platforms that exist that try and do that. Like you can think of maybe like a, 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 a like a, a 10 X or a Crexy or even a, an older legacy platform uh, like LoopNet. but they're also all very broker centric. Those, those platforms only exist for brokers essentially. Yeah. And there, there's nothing that's really investor centric and I'm an investor at heart. So, I was like, how can I build a marketplace that's investor centric? And then once that's done, well, you know, having access to properties and inventory is one thing, but you need access to data and you need access to actual actionable data, what we call alternative data, meaning that data for itself is worth nothing unless you can actually pull insights out of it. Now, there are a lot of data platforms that exist out there. There's Reonomy and, and, uh, 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 CoStar and you know there's a whole bunch of them axiometrics but it's mostly all uh, what we call in the data world kind of first level data so unless you're very you know unless you're very sophisticated there's it's going to be harder for you to pull like insights and decision making out of that data so yeah. I wanted to kind of integrate that also into this kind of marketplace concept 
And then thirdly, there was the idea of if I buy stocks on the stock market, it's very easy for me to follow my portfolio and track my performance. If I invest in multifamily properties and or syndications, I have to build my own spreadsheet and it's kind of complicated. And, you know, I have to keep, you know, I have to kind of do all the legwork. So the idea was how could we build a platform that does all this stuff together and resembles essentially what a Bloomberg terminal would look like for kind of a mid-level to institutional level stock investor. And that's how I kind of got into that. And I was like, you know, I think, I think democratizing access to real estate investing is a very important thing because I grew up very poor. I grew up in Los Angeles uh, and I grew up poor. My parents didn't have much money. And uh, something that, that's really at heart for me is, is social mobility and equal access to opportunity. I think that's what, make, that's what make, makes America great and Canada great is that you can come from anywhere. Or you can come up from any neighborhood and essentially you can sculpt your life, right? I mean, obviously, depending where you come from, it might be a bit harder, but that opportunity is, is accessible. That door is open. And uh, what, what a lot of research has shown is that essentially what allows for that is education and access to property. So for me, that's a very important thing. And, and if you look at the multifamily market um, at, a, at a financial basis, it is the asset that offers probably the best returns, risk, the best risk adjusted yep. returns. Yep. You know, it's a market where there's not that much risk uh, if you look at relative to other types of assets and it, off it offers pretty good returns. Like the returns are a bit lower than the stock market, but the risk is just a bit higher than bonds. So you have a really nice mix there, but there's no central market. The data is all kind of, you know, all over the place and fragmented and kind of opaque. And you need a lot of money to get into the game, right? So that's kind of the end game is also to make it easier for, for smaller investors to get into the game. So, so that's why I got into the, 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 the technology creation of it. And uh, obviously, like I said, a lot of naivete as well. <laughs> Is your is your goal then you you mentioned at the end to get those small investors? Is your goal then to to try to make that part of the platform? Yeah, oh for sure. My end goal is definitely to create a essentially a kind of a Robin Hood Nasdaq ish thing for multifamily real estate. A lot of people have been taking a dab at that. Uh, I've been talking about doing this for many years, and I've actually been putting laying the the, the groundwork of it for about three and a half years now. I think it's probably, we're probably about 10 years out from that actually being potentially happening, whether it's us that builds it or someone else. A yeah. lot of people right now are taking a dab of that through blockchain technology, through crowdfunding and all that. But I feel like everyone's kind of missing the big picture. And I think a lot of people are just too motivated by making a quick buck yeah. in the tech startup world and they're not doing it right. And, you know, quite honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm financially independent. So I don't, I'm not doing any of this to, to become the next, you know, a tech unicorn or billionaire or whatnot. I mean, I have a beautiful life and I just want to build things that are really cool and that have a strong impact on people and that I'm, that I'll be proud of and that my kids will be proud of. So I, I think I'm doing things a bit differently than, than what everyone else is doing. So. Yeah. Well, ultimately that's probably going to make you more money in the end, actually. Um, probably by, by might not, it, it might, but you know what? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I, I see, a, I hear a lot of people and I've been approached by some people that are building tech companies, uh, you know, if I want to partner with them or help fund them or, or whatever. And the answer I usually get when I would start talking and asking questions is, 
they're building it to be able to sell to a bigger company. Right. That's their or main goal. Or, or, or the, the essentially get an IPO if they're lucky enough. Yep. Right. Yeah. That, I'm in this, goal. I can be in this for the next 30 years. I don't mind. Like I'm, yeah. I'm good with that. And that's a totally different way of thinking. But uh, like I said, likely that ends up being a greater success for you. Mm-hmm. Now, again, like you said, maybe, maybe not, but likely that ends up being greater success. But it's like anything motivated wealth creation. I think that's the biggest thing that people who are not able to create wealth don't understand or keep or even keep wealth, which is the second part of creating wealth, is that wealth and 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 and, and money is just it's a byproduct, like it's a secondary mm-hmm. product. You can't focus on that. You have to focus on something much more primary and core. The wealth and the money will just follow you. Like it's yep. it, it just becomes a second nature, right? It just you don't even think about it. And the people who are always thinking about it, and that's their focus. They'll never be able to build any wealth, or if they do, they probably won't be able to keep it. Or if they do, they won't have anyone around them because they'll just burn so many bridges because they're just they're just wealth focused, right? That that's all they focus on. Yeah, they're not focused on are they making life better for other people, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. The college. T- tell me more. Like, wh- why? Why get into education? Why do the college? I've thing? always naturally been an educator. I think um, I just I I'm so passionate, and I've always been so passionate about knowledge. Like I've you know I I, I I've always been someone who's been a self learner. Like I always kind of joke with people. Like if you watch Goodwill Hunting, the movie with Matt Damon, like like that kind of looks a lot like me. Like I've I've self-taught myself. You do look like Matt Damon. What's that? You do look just like (laughs) (laughs) talented Mr. Ripley. (laughs) But, but, you know, I'm very passionate about knowledge and, and I'm, I'm, I I learn every day and I'm always pushing my knowledge base. And I, I just love learning. I think it's a very important thing. I think we have so much to learn and we, there, there's so little that we know like right now. So for me, the quest of, of learning more, understanding more, having an open mind also comes also with just the fact that why would you want to learn all that and not share it with people? Like learning it for yourself is awesome. And that feeling that you get like that, you know, when you, when you finally understand something, you're like, oh, really? Wow. That's like, I get it. Like, that's really, that's a great feeling. Like even egotistically, that's a great feeling. But sharing that with someone else and seeing them understand and have that aha moment is an even greater feeling. So I think because of that, I've always been a, a natural educator. And I think it also kind of goes to back what we were saying with wealth, wealth creation is, is, you know, what's better giving or receiving? I think giving is better than receiving because giving is receiving. If you're giving something, you're definitely receiving something as well. So whereas if you're receiving something, you might not necessarily be giving something back. So I've always kind of naturally been someone who's been drawn to sharing, just sharing. And I, I was in a position where I was like, all right, well, you know, I have all this knowledge in real estate and finance and mathematics and entrepreneurship. I naturally share it. And I was sharing it thanks to social media kind of, and that just became a bigger thing. And people were like, hey, you know, where can we learn like this more in a structured way? And it went from me essentially saying, well, you know what, if you guys want this, I'll, I'll, I'll give you like a one day class on real estate financial engineering on my personal Facebook pro, uh, profile, no money invested into it, like no marketing, nothing. Just me, you know, talking with people who were reading what I had to say, because I like to share yeah. my thoughts. And uh, it took me like a month and a half to build that one day course. I posted it on my Facebook on a Friday at, tw- at, at lunchtime. Within 30 minutes, 65 people had signed up for that <laughs> for like a $1,500 day. I was like, wow, that, that, that's crazy. Like people really need this and want this. 
And I was already conscious of the fact that, you know, obviously in the real estate world, like, you know, if you're not, even if you are college educated, that's very kind of macro and, you know, yeah. kind of generalist knowledge, very theoretical, not very yeah. practical and not specific. And then in the real estate world, you have all these coaching programs and mentorship programs. And, you know, we know all the people in them and, you know, they're all doing great things differently. And, you know, they're helping a lot of people, but it's very action-based. It's very on the surface. It's really like mo more motivational based and kind of networking and all that, which is fine. Like that, that's great stuff. But I think there's a big gap in the knowledge, specific applied knowledge base of, of real estate investors in the multifamily world. And I felt like I could be one, one of the people to, to kind of fill that gap. And, and that's, that's what we did with the college. So that one day course then eventually became a three month program, which is now called the real estate financial engineering certificate program. We've already had like 800 people in Canada go through the program in French. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm converting into English right now and kind of converting all the, the American differences with, you know, taxation and financing. Cause I've worked on both sides of the border and I, I I've lived on essentially split half of my life in the U S half in Canada. And uh, so we're bringing that to the U S now this year. And uh, that that's essentially been it. We also built a, after building that program and seeing the, the success of it, you know, I think when you build stuff, it's all a matter of listening to people and what people have to say. And right. I, I realized that people were also missing more uh, of another th side of things of actually building their real estate business, which I have the luck to also be an entrepreneur and an investment professional and an investor. So uh, I kind of took what I learned from the tech world and from the business world. And I built a program that resembles kind of, I'm, I'm not sure if you, under, if you know about like Y Combinator or 500 startups. These are all like uh, tech mm -hmm. accelerator programs. So essentially what they are is you, you, you apply to enter the program. You enter the program, it's usually like three to six months. And the goal is to kind of like, after that three to six months is actually come out with an actual business and an actual product in the tech world. And usually you pitch it to like angel investors at the end of that program and sure. you get financing. So I said, hey, why don't I apply this to real estate? So what we've essentially done is created an, uh, the MREX Accelerator program. It's six months. We accept 30 people into the program and it's six months of building your real estate investment company from A to Z, whether that be through the syndication model or through more of like a private investment company. And we help you build your website, your branding, your mission statement, your whole organizational structure using things like Monday or Asana, all your processes, your pitch decks and all that. And, uh, you know, find the proper partner so that when you come out of the program, you're not just an investor, you actually have an investment company. Yep. And that's been a really popular program. We've gone through eight cohorts already now. So almost 250 investors have come through that program and, you know, purchased, you know, thousands of units. So that's, that's really been, it's, it's really a passion thing for me. Like I, I'm, I'm still probably the person I dare anyone in the real estate investment world that studies real estate as much as I still do today, like on a daily basis. So it only makes sense for me to want to share that with everyone else. Ah, interesting. You know, one of the things I, I really like uh, about what I hear from you is uh, whether it's the education business, the, the you know, tech business or what you're doing with purchasing, you're finding gaps in the marketplace. You're finding those needs, you're listening to people, and then you're creating something of value for them. Um, and, and that's what so many people I think don't do. They try to force something and you're just listening to what people 
what people need and want. And yeah, you're taking some of your strengths Yep. and, but you're just filling those gaps. Well, you know, I think like, I think there's a lot of, there are many keys to being opportunistic. Like I love the word opportunistic and it's kind of strange because it has a very negative connotation in society. Like being a, mm-hmm. oh, he's opportunistic. Take it advantage. I think being opportunistic should be a very positive thing. I think, yeah. And it comes back to what you're saying of listening. And, you know, I grew up in, it's funny because I grew up in, in, I was born in Quebec in the French part of Canada, grew up in Los Angeles in a very rough neighborhood, you know, Latino and black neighborhood, gang wars and all that. And, you know, I kind of look like I'm, I could be anything pretty much, you know, because of my dark skin tone and whatnot and came back to Canada after that in my teenage years. But my father was actually half Indian from India. Mm. So uh, from, from Bengal, from the Northeast of India. So I grew up with a lot of uh, Asian philosophies and, you know, in the Asian philosophy is much more focused on uh, going with the stream rather than going against the current and, you know, listening rather than talking. And, and I think that's something very important to understand that if, being opportunistic is not is not profiting off the backs of people. It's actually listening and being in tune and being sensitive to what's going on. And then just simply, like you said, responding to that, you know? And what's really cool is that you, you're not forcing against anything. Like it, it doesn't have to, we hear all this, like the hustle and the, you know, all this hustle entrepreneurship mentality. I think it's kind of bullshit because you shouldn't be hustling and struggling. It should be, the, the goal of entrepreneurship is actually, this is something you should be want to be doing. And I don't really want to be hustling and struggling every day. I, I don't know about you. Like that, that, that doesn't sound like fun to me. Like we have only one life to live. So we should be doing something very productive and fun and, and value creating. And I don't think that comes through, you know, trying to always go through walls. Yes, there are obstacles and yes, you have to persevere. But for me, when I hit too many walls, Matthew McConaughey wrote a book about this lately called Green Green Lights. It's like if you hit too many red lights, you know, maybe you have to rethink the path that you're on and start looking for the green lights. That's yeah, that's that's powerful. I mean, yeah, if you're banging into the walls all the time, if you're hitting all those red lights, are you really serving your audience, right? Are you serving who you're supposed to be serving? You got to ask yourself that. Or are you just trying to force what you think is right, what you think right. is right. And sometimes, I mean, that's a fine balance. Sometimes it, yeah. it might be the right thing to do, but it, that can't be like consistently what you can't do. Can't be consistent. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're going to come up with hurdles. You for sure are. You're, you're never oh, yeah. going to have a complete, you know, and if you do, you're probably, again, doing things wrong. If it's a completely, you know, open path, there's probably, there's you're probably still doing things wrong. But Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you I, I like, like I said, just you're finding those gaps, you're filling the needs, you're listening to people, you're sl- you're slowing down and hearing what people want to want to actually get, and then okay, I can do that. Like that's something I I can fill. So let's let's talk about this uh, the you know the investing side of the business. That was really interesting. I won't mention the city just in case you can go ahead and mention that. Uh, but what, again, what you found is an area that had been kind of neglected, right? You saw an opportunity where a lot of money was starting to get poured into that money or into that area. And you're kind of riding that wave and backfilling 
again, the gaps that are there and providing good housing in that area. You mentioned that you're doing 90 to $150,000 per unit renovation. So huge renovations. You're taking these properties that were com probably completely neglected. A lot of times I would guess boarded up um, completely empty and you're bringing new life into them. Um, you know, first of all, like <laughs> that, like, how did you decide, like, that's a strategy I even want to think about. Right? <laughs> well, take me through that journey. Cause that's most people don't have the guts to do something like that. Well, I mean, you have to understand. I mean, I, I do have, you know, I, I've, I've, I've worked on over $10 billion worth of, you know, real estate transactions. So I do have that professional baggage there. Mm -hmm. I've been on an entrepreneur and, you know, I've created hundreds of jobs over the last 15 years. So it's a, so I have that baggage. I was a high performance athlete. I was a high performance human performance professional. So, so, uh, you know, even if it came, kind of came out of nowhere, it didn't really like the, the yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't one day you woke up. No, and go, hey, I'm no. going to go do this. There's a tip of the iceberg and then there's everything behind it. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, I I've been building towards mastership and mastery of my art for quite a long time. But uh, essentially, you know, in my job in real estate financial engineering, one of my jobs, obviously, real estate financial engineering, just so, to, to, so people understand, is kind of like everyone knows about underwriting and financial modeling. That's, that's like one part of real estate financial engineering. So uh, there, there's two sequences to what, what I do is essentially generating alpha. So, you know, creating better returns without necessarily taking the equivalent amount of more risk. And obviously, risk management is a big part of financial engineering. So uh, in that, one of the big parts of the work that I did with, you know, family offices and private equity funds and uh, private equity firms and, 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 and REITs and everything is, is determining which markets to enter and which neighborhoods to enter in various markets. Yeah. So, you know, I look a lot at like economics and demographics and you know, uh, political structures of, of various cities and metro areas and stuff like that, because politics play a big, big part of, of, of you know, the, the future of a city or, or of a town. So I had identified this market actually for a couple clients in the past. And, you know, just my overall uh, research of, you know, I'm always researching markets. And I looked at this market, and I was like, huh, it's a secondary market. So it's a smaller market it has about, you know, it's a market if, you know, it has about 200,000 people living there, um, but it's the center, it's the capital of, of a region, essentially. So uh, it has two universities, two colleges uh, in the state, well, it, it's a province, but, you know, for, for Americans, we'll call it a state. In the state, it, uh, over the next 20 years, it's the city with the second highest projected uh, uh, population growth. Hmm behind the major metro area in the state. So, and uh, so, so it kind of checked all the boxes. I looked at average uh, incomes versus rents. The ratio was really low, it was something like 24%. You know, yeah. a, a healthy markets around 30 to 40%, yeah. above 40 is kind of, it's getting expensive. Like you can think about places like Seattle and Denver and New York and everything. Uh, so very, very low, uh, salary to rent ratio rents were really low like two bedrooms like i'm picking up properties that have two bedrooms that are renting at like 470 a month like wow. 550 a month it's crazy wow so all that put together 
on top of, as an entrepreneur, I'm a big believer in the blue ocean strategy. There's a book on it. I, I can't remember who wrote it, but it's, it's a great book. And I apply this to everything I do. You know, I like to look at where the waters are blue and not red, filled with blood and sharks and where everyone is already. So the major metro area in, in the state, which is Montreal, Montreal is a highly competitive market. You know, it's the Miami or the New York of, uh, it's the Miami or the Seattle or Los Angeles of Canada. So it's very competitive. Apart from Toronto and Vancouver, Montreal is where it's at. So I was like, that's a red ocean. I don't want to be there. I want to be somewhere else. I want to be blue ocean. So that's, that all checked the boxes demographically, economically, blue ocean wise. And then uh, on top of that, I went a bit deeper and I looked at the different neighborhoods of the market and I realized the, this downtown core is destroyed. It's been let go for the last 20 years. And through my studies of, of zoning and, uh, and, 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 you know, urban studies, urban planning and how cities develop is something that I've studied quite a lot. The way cities usually develop in, 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 in the Occidental society is that, well, even in the, in the, in the Oriental societies is that the downtown area is usually very eclectic. There's a good mix, but there's also quite a lot of money. Even there, even though there's, there's poverty, there's quite a lot of money. And there's a nice mix kind of, it's, it's kind of, the, that's where the heart of the city is. It's vibrant. Mm -hmm. And then around that, then you have kind of, you know, a deeper level of poverty, kind of what we call the inner cities, you know, what people think about like ghettos and stuff like that. And then you end up in the suburbs where there's, you know, less poverty, a lot of money, but not as high level necessarily as downtown. But in this city, for some reason, the downtown was just like completely devastated and poor. So for me, that's an anomaly. That's an anomaly in urban studies. So I was like, okay, that's, that shouldn't be the way it is. Therefore, it should be, there, there should be a way to change that. And then as I looked deeper, I realized that the richest family in the area, who was also the biggest real estate developer, had just announced an $85 million project with the city in the downtown area so I was like, okay, this is like checking all the boxes for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to piggyback off of them. And I like this because it goes with the blue ocean strategy. If you study whales, like blue whales, which are the biggest mammals, there are a lot of smaller fish and mammals that live off of them and ride on their backs. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to do the same thing. And now as a real estate financial, especially someone specialized in real estate financial engineering, I'm always very cognizant of risk. So in order to mitigate my, my risk, because the risk here is how long is it going to take for this downtown area to actually get better? It might take 5, 10, 15 years. I don't want to wait for that. And I don't want to risk that. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to allocate so much capital and buy so many properties that I'm the one who controls the speed of the recovery. So essentially what I did is I purchased 35 properties in, in a two-mile radius. And I'm the one investing in all these properties behind the bigger developer. So I'm the one controlling how fast it's going to go, how well it's going to be developed, creating essentially a monopoly effect. And on top of that, what it's done is I've become like a big whale on top of the, the really big whale. But that's also now created a whole bunch of smaller fish who are seeing what I'm doing. And it's more accessible to what I'm to what they're doing. And then that's bringing even more people. And now that movement is just going crazy. So 
So now it's kind of now red ocean, essentially. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, but that's good because that feeding frenzy comes and exactly you're, you're looking pretty good when oh yeah for sure frenzy really comes and now and now cap rates have cap rates have compressed from an average of about 5.95 percent now to about 5.15 in a year and a half just because mm -hmm. of that wow yeah yeah that's uh that that's a great strategy i mean it's not for the faint of heart right you've no, got, no, you you sure. have to know what you're doing if you're going to go out and do something like that you have to be well capitalized like you are uh, otherwise just wait until it's in the, like the fourth, fifth inning, wait until somebody like you comes Absolutely. in, does it. And then you can come in behind Absolutely, you. and the people, sure. quite frankly, a lot of the people that are, that were coming in behind you are still doing well. They're going to oh, make for money. Sure. Definitely. They're going to oh, yeah. do well. Eventually you'll have the people that got in at the, the ninth inning or in overtime, <laughs> Absolutely. But, but right now, um, you know, they're still riding that wave up. So that's, that's cool. Um, what's a, what's a mistake that you've made and how have you learned from it? Probably the biggest mistake I made, uh, younger was, uh, I, I was going to say trying to go too fast, but I don't think that's necessarily the mistake. I, I do think that, you know, I, I, at times tried to go too fast, which is kind of weird because, uh, you know, when I talk about what I'm doing right now, people will be like, yeah, but you're going like really fast. Yeah. I'm going fast, but not as fast as I could versus the resources and the experience yeah. that I have today. Yeah. But probably the biggest mistake was that and not having the right people around me. I think, mm -hmm. you know, I don't believe in self-made. Um, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger actually had a really great speech on that. I don't believe in self-made. I don't think it exists. I don't think you can really succeed at anything significant alone. You yeah. need people around you, whether it be friends and family, business partners, mentors. And I think, you know, I had a lot of success in my twenties and then, you know, had a major failure, uh, pretty much lost everything. And I'd attribute that all to having just the wrong people around me, you know, like not enough of the right people around me. And today, you know, I'm really big on, you know, getting people around me, a, a book that really affected me was from good to great by Jim Collins of yeah. his concept of the, you know, having the right people on the bus, number one, yeah. And then having them on the right seats. But I think, you know, we, we don't focus enough on having enough of the right people on the bus. The seats, the seat thing, you know, that, that'll kind of fix itself eventually if you have the right people. And, you know, that, that was the biggest mistake I made. And now today I'm, I'm, I'm willing to leave a lot on the table, to leave shares on the table, to leave cash flow on the table, just to make sure I have really the right people. Yeah. And it just, it pays so many dividends. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you there. I mean, there was, there was definitely some times there where I thought, Oh, I could just do it myself. Yeah. And you know, sometimes, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but when you got that T, when you got those people around you, uh, it just, it works way better. Plus it's just more fun. Like it's yeah, way for more sure. fun having people around sure. you. Oh, for sure. And there's an African saying, I'm not sure from which, which, which country or which tribe, but uh, it says the saying is essentially, you know, faster alone, but further together. Mm. I mean, you can yeah. go way further with other people. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So true. Um, all right. So we're going to wrap up with just a couple last questions. What's a, what's a favorite book of yours that you can give to our listeners? I'm starting to sound kind of 
<laughs> like I'm always repeating myself because I've been on quite a few podcasts lately, but uh, the untethered soul for me is just, I, I think everyone should read that book. It's, it's What's amazing. that about? Essentially, it was a, a, a tech founder uh, who uh, he had started this huge business. I believe they got bought out by IBM uh, for like a billion dollars back when a billion dollars wow. was like back in the 90s when a billion dollars was like worth like a, gilz- a gazillion dollars. You know, like not not today's billion dollars. Yeah. And uh, he ended up getting sued because of a, a partner that had had stolen funds or whatnot, and they were blaming him. And he ended up, you know, getting sued and being in court, and almost went to jail. And it lasted like five years. He got a really bad cancer, almost died, hmm. and he managed to get through all of that. And it really brought him to a higher level of spirituality and and purpose and mission and faith. And mm-hmm. and he wrote this book on that now and. Um, I, I just really find it as a great book because I think spirituality and faith, you know, no, no matter whatever someone's faith is, I mean, I, I, I think everyone can have their own faith, but I think it's a very important thing to have, to have faith and spirituality in your life. Yeah. But to have that written by an entrepreneur, you know, someone who's very pragmatic and very logical, I think it just makes for a great mix. And the book is just very... There are times in my life where I was feeling anxious. I had a lot on, on, on my back, on my shoulders, a lot of stress to deal with. And I'd always just kind of come back to that book and just read little passages here and there. And hmm. it was, you know, it, it was always so good to just kind of bring my mind back into the right place. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's uh, that's great. I'll have to check it out. Um, last question. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? Three pillars of wealth creation. I think, uh, like we talked about earlier is always trying to trying to distinguish how you're creating value. Like everything you should do should be about creating value. Number one, that's, that's important for me. I think Um, number two, not focusing on wealth is definitely a wealth creation pillar. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I, I, that that could kind of go with the first point there. Uh, Long-term thinking. Definitely. Um, I think if you're thinking short term, you won't create any wealth whatsoever. And uh, I'd say number three is having smarter, more talented people around you. Like if you can do like that, you'll you'll end up wealthy. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, love it, Nikolai. Good stuff. Really appreciate you joining us. So we could keep going for a while here, but uh, for the sake of the show, we probably should wrap up. Uh, how can our listeners get in touch with you and learn more about what you got going on? I'm pretty active on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. So you can find me, Nikolai Ray. There, I don't think there's two Nikolai Rays in the world. I'd be probably surprised not. if there were. Um, otherwise, the MREX College as well on YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, we, we're sharing a lot more stuff in English now. We have a huge body of work in French and I know a lot of people have been asking me to do it in English. So now we've really started to produce a lot of content in English. So I think that's a great way to follow me. And uh, I'm always happy to to talk shop and, you know, uh, push our knowledge base further. I think it's, I think, you know, real estate's an amazing thing personally for people. And I also think, you know, just, you know, uh, you know, brain wise, it's an amazing thing because there's always something new to learn. So that's great you kind of have this like French Canadian 
English accent, like kind of like commingled <laughs> together. So I, I, <laughs> French Canadian Californian accent. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's all mixed up. <laughs> Perfect. Well, hey, again, really appreciate it. Thanks for joining uh, us on the show and tons of value you're able to add. So have a fantastic rest of the day. Really appreciate it, Todd. Look forward to eating some barbecue with you soon. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go up to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.